The cheesecakes are back and they're better than before. Hey la, hey la, the cheesecakes are back. They're back, bitches. The cheesecakes have made their triumphant return. I mean, you know, I'm still eating them every day, but, um, I, you know, I've been trying to kind of switch up the eating in the car just for some, some variety on this show, but fuck it. They have returned. They're better than ever. They're delicious. I've got them fresh from the supermarket. They're ice cold, a cold, cold cheesecake. Um, you know, I... I, for a while, was doing, uh, you know, because I always do three. I was doing chocolate, marble, chocolate. That was my uh, compulsive order. Um, The past couple of days, I've been doing marble, chocolate, marble. Um, You know, things change. Life is change. Um, I've never been great with change. I don't know. Am I good with change? I don't know if I'm good with change. I feel like people are always saying they're not good with change. I don't know. Maybe I'm, like, not so bad with change. Um, I'm trying to think about things that have changed. Um, but no, I don't think I'm good with change. I don't think I'm good with change considering that, um, you know, I've been eating the same cheesecakes for like months and months every day. And that if I, um, am not able to obtain them, um, I feel like, um, something has shaken loose within, Uh, my soul and I fear for the order of the world. So no, I guess I'm not very good at change, but, um, I have switched it up the past couple days and actually it's been scary. You know what, when I'm at the supermarket, because as you know, or I, I don't know how many of the cheesecakes episodes you've heard, if you're just joining, welcome. Um, but so if you're just joining, I basically, I eat, um, these mini cheesecakes, um, uh, every day. I eat three of them a day because just one is sad. So, um, and the ritual is that I don't just, I can't just like stock up on them. I have to go to the cheesecake spots, which are few and far between in Los Angeles. There's a 76 gas station. There are, and then there is a, uh, Gelson's supermarket. Um, shout out to Gelson's, my favorite supermarket. I mean, um, I like Ralph's because it's, it's, it's cheap and I love using the Ralph's card and just watching the money fall off. But if I'm just getting a few items, um, it's fucking Gelson's all the way and their salad bar. I just got to say shout out Gelson's Gelson's. If you want to sponsor me, I'm totally down anyway. So they have these cheesecakes at, at some of the Gelson's, not all, but anyway, so, um, but so it's been, it's, so I have to get, I have to literally obtain the three every day. That is part of my food ritual. I can't just like stock up on them and have them. It's, it's about the process, the buying, the hope, the hope inside. Also the fear when I'm in line, uh, for like the fifth day in a row with the same, um, cashier and they're like, are those cheesecakes good? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about my problem, you know, like I'm, I don't want to talk about the ritual that, you know, I I just want to, it's a lived experience. I don't want to, um, yeah, yeah, they're good, but it's about, it's, it's about way more than good. This is, we are, we are past good here. This is about, um, this is about finding order in the world. This is about having a safe space and something infinite, infinitely sweet that I can give myself. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, they're good. Okay, but it's not about good. And yeah, a regular cheesecake like from fucking Junior's or like, I don't know, the factory or whatever obviously would be better than these mini diet cheesecakes. But like this is where I'm at. So yeah, 
yeah, they're good for me. Um, but you know, instead I'm just like, oh yeah, they're really good. Oh yeah, they're really good. I, I, I smile a lot and I think, um, I don't know. I just like to deflect the attention quickly. And also, you know, cashiers, when, when someone expresses some human kindness to me, it's like, I feel pulled both ways. On the one hand, I'm like, let me just have my ritual in peace. I just want to have it. But on the other hand, there's something about when like a stranger connects with me that just automatically can light me up inside too. Like I want to, I want to connect. I want to connect, but just not about the cheesecakes you know, anything else. I had a great cashier the other day at, um, at Ralph's actually. It was fucking crazy in there. Babies are crying. I had to park in a parking lot. I don't like parking lots. I prefer street parking. I don't like parking garages and lots. Not out of fear of like anything bad happening to me necessarily. Cause I don't actually, I usually don't fear like real issues, you know, like real dangers. I, my fears are usually, uh, things that, um, are probably not going to happen. Um, those are, those are the things that I usually tend to fear are, um, and the unknown. Um, but I just like to have ingress and egress. I don't like the process of having to like pull in and get out. You know, I I like the ingress and egress of a parking meter. I like street parking. What can I say? I'm a street parking girl, but I had had to use the parking locks. There was no street parking and, um, it was just fucking crazy. And then there was a child was crying. Um, and, um, screaming and, and it seemed to be following me everywhere. But when I was in the line, I was like, how are you to the, to the cashier? And she's like, oh, and I, and I love, and then I'm like, you know, you getting off soon. Like that's, those are moments. I love those intimate, those moments, those, those little moments of human connection, you know, where you like talk to a person and, um, you know, you kind of, you, you talk about their day and she was like, yeah, you know, it's like a full moon in, inside this supermarket, which I thought was so funny. Um, and I was like, you know, I laughed and I was like, that is just so fucking funny. And I was like, I love you. I don't know anything about you. And I love you based on that one, uh, comment. It was a moment of sort of, I don't know. I like that intimacy, you know, that moment of intimacy and then it's over. Then you go about your life. So, um, but yeah, so the cheesecakes and fear of change. So it has, you know, as I've been getting the cheesecakes and doing marble chocolate marble each day, or, um, it, it has been hard for me. Like, I'm like, are you sure you don't want chocolate marble chocolate? Like, will this disrupt the order of the world? Will this cause chaos in your psyche? You know, like, is this going to be okay for you? And, you know, when I took the plunge, I was like, no, you're okay. You're okay. As I've said on another show, I'm supposed to be, like, parenting myself or some shit. So I'm like, yeah, mama's here or whatever. Um, anywho, so what else? I don't know. Um, yesterday I got recognized on the street, um, which is always fun because, um, this really doesn't happen very often as a writer. Um, but you know what? Now it's all happening for me. The, the paparazzi is now, uh, following me and, um, you know, TMZ writer's edition. Um, they won't leave me alone. No, I was in Venice. Um, and walking, I was buying a large notepad from a store and giving myself that, that task. Um, so as to, and it was nice, actually the, the purchasing of that, that big notepad, it was like a, it's like a thick, chunky, 
one, um, I had, I usually, I like to use the ones from hotels at home for just, you know, scribbling, just scribbling a note or two, not, not even a, nothing authorial, just, um, you know, daily, daily shit. Um, but I thought I had run out of hotel pads, so I was excited. I had like a purpose, a meaning, you know, a raison d'etre. I was going to get myself a nice, thick, juicy new pad. Um, and then I bought the pad and then I was like, now what? Is that all there is? Um, and I was walking on main street in, uh, Venice slash Santa Monica and a girl stopped me and said, excuse me are you Melissa Broder? Um, and I said, why, yes, I am. And she said, I'm so sorry to stop you, but I love your books or something like that. Um, and you know, like she was, and then she was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to bother you. And I'm like, honey, this is what I've dreamed of my entire life. Like, uh, you think that I'm not, like, so excited to be fucking recognized? And I was like, no, I'm a writer, so I, like, you know, no one ever recognized me on the street. Like, at signings, yes, people will definitely be excited and stuff. But, like, just walking down the fucking street, that never happens. So I was like, honey, pl-, I was like, please. And I, I was like, what's your name? You know, like, she was a celebrity to me. You know what I'm saying? So this is a note, by the way, to all of you guys or any of you, I don't know, um, if you ever see me randomly on the street, please come up and make a kerfuffle, because that kerfuffle really could just, for about, uh, you know, a couple of minutes, just really fill that, that emptiness in my existence, um, and I was, I was like, yeah, I got recognized, um, and, um, but yeah, so she was like, sorry, and I was like, no, like, this is, please, all I ever wanted was to be popular, like, come on, who doesn't, I mean, you know, even, like, the people who are, like, we should have, you know, people in bands who are, like, we should have just stayed in our garage, like, I don't like the fame, um, like, then stay in your garage, you know, like, no, we all, you know, whatever, so it was very, it was very exciting, it was my moment in the sun, um, of course, I looked like shit, I looked like probably the worst I'd looked all week, um, and I also had a giant, well, I still do, um, but it's not as bad today, um, a giant zit, like, just a juicy, you know, I'm not, like, a real big zit popper, like, I just never really figured out, like, how to do it well, so I definitely just let that shit, like, it comes to a head, and then I just, like, live with the head for a while, you know, like, I just... I don't know what I'm doing. Every time I try to pop it, I feel like the head comes back anyway, or like it's a scar. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So, so it was like, it was like full throttle. Like the head was like, it was a headly head. Like this is, it was erect. So, you know, then like later I, um, I, I had actually been on the beach and I like went back to the beach, um, with my, with my pad that no longer, now was just more stuff, no longer meant anything to me now that I had acquired it, and, and my memory of having been recognized, which was beautiful, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling around the zit, and, um, you know, just sort of, like, touching it, you know, and I'm just like, ah, that kind of, I'm like, I, I'm like, I know, well, I know she was disappointed, you know, I know she was disappointed by my zit, um, you know, probably, what am I wearing? Like, it was like, immediately I, I took the inventory, you know, I was like, well, you know, I was just basically a walking zit, and I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I should have made it, like, a conversation piece, um, because usually I do announce a zit, 
you know, if I had spent any more time with her, I would have probably very quickly announced the zit and said, you know, there's the, there's a rocket launching off of, uh, my chin. But, um, but, you know, and I'm like, I should have made it a conversation piece, you know, like, well, actually I'm, my next novel is, uh, features this, this zit. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm garnering experience in the field, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thinking, um, a woman, a woman has sex with, with this zit, um, and, um, you know, it, it sends her on a journey of self-discovery and revelation, um, you know, so, so that's what it's, that's what it's here for, or perhaps, um, you know, it's like three generations each, you know, trying to to shake the zit and, and the way it, and its implication on, on a multi-generational tale, you know, its implication on their lives. Um, and so, you know, I've been doing, I've been thinking a lot about, um, like fucking plot lately. Cause as I said, I'm doing more screenwriting. I just said that was a stutter. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but yes, yeah, so I am, I am doing more screenwriting and, um, sort of realized like, well, um, yeah, uh, narrative arc, narrative drive, that whole thing. I like voice I have tone. I have narrative drive. Like, you know what? I need, need a little help with that. So, but, um, so I've been listening to these, like, like free, like these podcast, like these fucking horrific, like, like podcasts for like aspiring screenwriters or screenwriters who have somehow found themselves screenwriting and aren't really like sure what narrative drive is. Um, and I mean, they're just, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare because, um, you know, every, for, I maybe I've gotten into the wrong like section, but every sort of movie, um, they're talking about is like lethal weapon or like, um, you know, like, I don't know, it's all, like, action-adventure or, like, super bro movies, like, um, you know, like, Scarface, like, the real heavy hitters, which is just, like, I do need to work on narrative drive, but, like, that's just never gonna be my thing, like, I, I don't, I don't see myself writing an action-adventure, but, um, you know, and then they have these guests, there'll be guests on the different podcasts, and the guests are, like, you know, these dudes who, like, have never sold a screenplay, but, like, they have a six-step process and have sold, like, millions of books about their, you know, six-step process, but somehow I've never actually done the thing. Um, so, you know, it's, is it interesting? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a hellacious nightmare, actually. Um, it's not good, and, and it, um, you know, it makes me very nervous, um, in a lot of ways, but I think I might be learning a little something, only in the sense of, like, oh, like, in a movie, like, it doesn't have to be, like, the most, like, intricate plot, but, like, something has to happen, you know, and when I, I've been, um, I just turned in the draft, draft two of the Pisces screenplay, which I've been writing, um, for Lionsgate, they, they optioned it, and, um, and hired me to write it. And, you know, that's different because it's like, that's my own, I know these characters. I know this world. I made, I already created this world, you know, and with the help of an editor, like fleshed out, you know, the narrative drive, like, um, (laughs) one of the first incarnations of the book, the Pisces, um, there's a scene where she is, um, cleaning her asshole, preparing it for, 
um, anal sex. And um, as she says, my asshole is never a vacant space. So, but in the in the first draft, um, I had three different times where she's like bathing herself and like cleaning out her orifices. And my editor was like, you know, let's just go with one. Like, I think we only need to see this once, you know? So it's things like that, that like, you know, give it sort of that, that it, that helped me to, to find sort of like, oh, okay, right. Like maybe three asshole washings, like might be a little repetitive. Like it might be a little much. Um, it might, it might stifle the, uh, page turner element of it. So, um, you know, so writing the Pisces is one thing because it's like, I already have, you know, um, an arc and really a, a world complete it completely to, to, it's kind of like writing fanfic. Like I'm just approaching my, my peeps from another angle, but with this other stuff, um, where it's like, I'm inventing new worlds. It's like, uh, like, Oh, like, right. Like, so, like something has to happen. And then like, not just one thing has to happen. Like, you know, then like something else and then like something else, like I'm very good at coming up with like act one. Um, like I'm very good with sort of creating a world and like a tone and like, well, you know, I mean, usually it has to do with sex and I'm, I'm always like, you know, what if like, I'm, it's always just based on like my fantasies, you know, it's like a woman wants a harem of boys and like, you know, and why can't she have them? And she creates them. And then I'll like kind of have like the thematic or the thematic, not a lesson, not a lesson, but just sort of like the the thematic issues and the psychological sort of ramifications and like, but I forget that I also have to have like shit happen with, with this harem and like the harem has to like, you know, I don't know. They, they have to like go to war with each other or whatever, whatever they have to do. I don't know. What, what does the harem do? The harem, what, what gets, why is it a movie and not a, a poem or a tableau or, um, you know, or, or like an art, a visual art film or a, or even like a, an experimental novel, you know, like, like stuff, stuff, stuff happens. And then like more stuff happens. Like it's not enough for stuff to just happen like once, you know, it's like stuff happens and then like more stuff happens and then like still more stuff happens. So, so I just don't want to let anyone down the agents and, uh, managers who are choosing to work with me. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's that fear of fraudulence, um, it, the imposter syndrome, where you feel like a child inside, or even when you're, when you know really well how to do something, and it's like, how did I get here? And um, they're all going to find out that I don't know, sh- that I'm not shit. They're all going to find out that I'm not shit, regardless of how good or bad or um, how much you know or how much you don't know. But the, the truth is, is that when I'm actually like in the work and doing the work and writing the thing, that feels really good. It's only when I'm listening to these fucking podcasts that I feel as though I'm in seventh grade algebra again and and being swallowed whole by concepts that uh, make no sense to me. Because I remember it wasn't just with algebra, I'm with math, always with math. It wasn't just a question of what are we doing? I don't understand. It was it was almost like why are we doing this? Why are we taking 
27 to the third power. Why are we doing a, what's the thing where you don't, it's not about dividing, but it's like the D, the depowering, the D exponenting, the fall of, of the number 87 or whichever one you're taking about. Why are we doing this? I don't understand. Or remember sine, cosine, tangent. Why? Why? And it was almost as though it's not that I was trying to be a dick and be like, these are useless. But I truly, I think in understanding the what of those things, there was a need for me to understand the why and I couldn't get my mind around it. And that's how I feel with these with these podcast bros. And the why of the podcast bros, besides like, why are you so annoying? I think there's also a similar sort of vibe with, with the bros to the math thing. It's just like, well, this is how it's done. This is, this, this is how we do it. So it gets, I start to feel like I did in seventh grade in the classroom, which was like, there's something wrong with me. My brain doesn't work properly. Um, I start to get upset, sad, feel like I'm never going to get it. So I guess the the lesson is that I should probably stop listening to these fucking podcasts. But with math, there's also there was something always very conceptual about it. I mean, math has its own there's like now I kind of like math actually because I like that there's a tangible answer. You know, in a world where there's very few tangible answers, I think a lot of people think they have the tangible answers, but for myself, I continue to realize that I know less and less in life and like there's a beginner's mind element to that and it's the the older I get the the less I know like when I was 21 or maybe like 20 I really believed that I knew everything I would ask my dad I'd be like you know have you ever taken mushrooms because if you if you did then you'd really know what was going on there on here you'd really know the truth and I and I was always running around just being like do you does it do do you know what the truth of what's really going on here and it wasn't that I necessarily knew the quote-unquote truth or could verbalize the truth unless I was on drugs and scrawling it in like a big pink pen in a journal that would then like make the make no sense the next day but I felt as though I knew better than sort of this imagined imagined uh, version of capitalism, which was not entirely imagined, but it was it was sort of a Pink Floydian version of of the meat grinder, where once you got thrown in, then then you came out a sausage. And I, you know, I do still feel that there is a version of the meat grinder in the world, and clearly there is capitalist encouragement to be like others, be like everyone else. But I also don't claim to I don't I don't think I have the answer. I don't think there is a the answer. Um, but in math, there is a the answer. So there is something like refreshing about it. And also I use a lot of math in my caloric counting and machinations. I find that I do a lot of math every day. I'm not using sine cosine tangent, but um, 
but there was something but it but there is also something conceptual about math um to even imagine to even take that walk and be like yes we are going to use these numbers we're going to do this shit to these numbers and i didn't get that you know and i still if i really look at it now i still wouldn't get it and so i mean i guess people you know there's definitely something conceptual about creating a world um creating your own world but the thing is is that you're creating it whereas with math it's like some mathematicians have well i guess like the universe has created it but some mathematicians have decoded it and it's like this it's like it's going to be in this way and so that's how i feel and you know i can get into that place of like imposter syndrome and it's a hard thing for me to remember that when someone wants to work with me maybe it means they believe in me and i don't have to just be so obsessed with oh my God, I'm going to let them down. I'm going to let them down and more just like, let me just do my thing. The thing that I that I can pretty much do. Um, but that fear of, of being an imposter, you know, I, I did something I haven't done in a while uh, because of all this, because of the podcast. The podcasts have driven me back into uh, some former non-solutions and some former compulsions. And what I've done is that I've is I've um, I've I've I'm like am I having a stroke for a moment I stood up and I got lightheaded and I was like what am I doing here like what's going on what what is happening I I'm recording a thing but um anyway I I stood up to like shake off I got a little cheesecake on me um and I stood up to kind of de decake myself and I was like what is this like, why, why am I sitting in a parking lot speaking to myself covered in in a diet cheesecake? But anyway, so uh, I did something that I haven't done in a while, which is I purchased some crystals. Talk about buying stuff that then just becomes more crap. Um, I felt that I needed a confidence crystal, which because clearly, clearly it can be found in a, in a crystal. Uh, I felt that I needed a confidence crystal. Um, and that's citrine, but citrine is very expensive, but I was like, so I was like determined, and also a lot of the citrine is treated, it's not pure, not that it really fucking matters, because like, does any of this shit really, it's all about what we believe about the thing, rather than the thing itself, I think, but so I, I, I went, I, I went to the, to two crystal stores, one of them was, there was like this really hot dude at one of them, from San Luis Obispo. He's been in the crystal game his whole life. and um, Except he had a long pinky nail. What's with the long pinky nail? Why? What? Why? But anyway, so he... So they didn't have, like, the citrine I wanted, but they had these awesome smoky quartzes for a really nice price. And they, they're beautiful, these smoky quartzes. And I... Someone had given me a little smoky quartz and a little pyrite as, like, a protection thing when I was on the So Sad Today book tour. But uh, that person is actually a former boss of mine who owes me like half a year's salary. So I kind of felt like mm, maybe I don't want to like, I don't know. I just felt like the juju of those little crystals was like maybe a little juju interrupt us. So I was like, I don't I don't think that that's, I'm not going to go with, you know, like I'm not going to use those. So I've just kind of had those elsewhere. So, but so I got the smoky quartz and then I went to another crystal store and the person was very crystal splaining 
like he was very like a crystal he actually was much like the guys on the screenwriting guys on the podcast like he was just like like i was like is this citrine and he's like does it look like a citrine like does it look yellow and i was like i don't know bro but in a way i did like his attitude about crystals because it was like you don't need to know the essentialism the the ism the, the thingitude of the thing it's all about just the way you feel so so I and they, they also had some so what I assume is citrine and I got one of those at like a they they were also a good price so I got I got one of those and I, I liked it because I liked the shape it's sort of like a it's it's pointy on both sides so it sort of feels like a a, a Shira princess of power sword like it makes there's a magical feeling to it but already I like don't really like it just because of like the dude who you know like every time I I, I pick it up I'm, all I can think is like does it look like a citrine so i don't know i'll probably give that one away i heard you're only i heard that you're supposed to only um that like the best crystals are the ones you receive from others not the ones you buy yourself but but this smoky crystal the smoky quartz crystal i have to say i'm having a good time with i don't know that it's it has not imbued me with a magical sense of confidence or self-esteem nor i don't think that's its properties anyway i think it's i don't know what's it, it's supposed to like ground you or something i just thought it was beautiful i think it's supposed to like ground you and like open up the butt chakra you know like the 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 bottom chakra the anal chakra um I'm trying to, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I have been shitting more maybe as a result. I, I don't really know. But 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 it is a beautiful crystal and I feel, I feel like it's my friend. Like I'm like, "Oh, I have a new little friend." But this 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 questionable citrine is uh I don't know. I think I got to get rid of it. So you know, that's so this sort of this self-doubt has driven me to to spend some money on these crystals and uh you know, luckily I did make a friend. I did I did find a friend. This smoky quartz but the citrine one i'm just like yeah i don't know and i think that like my lack of confidence and sort of res- that i respond to that i take my own self-doubt and sort of project it that others are going to have doubt you know um it also like i i with my managers and agents, I never want to be, I'm also, I never want to be needy. I never want to have a need. Like I always want to be the easiest client, right? My fear is like, I never want to be the pain in the ass client. And the truth is everyone is going to be the pain in the ass at some point. You know, it's not possible, first of all, for everyone in the world to like you. I love thinking about it in those terms. I love thinking about it as an impossibility. Not that like out when people say, oh, well, everybody's not going to like you, that, that doesn't, I'm like, well, I can still try. But when it, when I think about it as it's impossible for everyone to like you, that to me, that's very soothing because it's like, don't even try. But there's still this desire within me. So I'm starting to like learn, work with that. And, and I mean, I still, whenever there's a hater, I still like believe that, you know, the hater aid is the correct beverage and they are correct. But but I am starting to sort of work with this idea that like not everyone can. It's not possible for everyone to love you. So don't try. Um, and that whole thing of like, you know, uh, regarding being oneself, even though I, I don't even know what being oneself really means. Um, because the self is so fluid. But but sort of like that whole idea of like well while you're not being yourself who's going to be you you know there's only one you whatever which i i also don't believe that um schopenhauer says like we you know we've all lived throughout all of time and and it's only illusion that 
that there's anything new, which I don't think he necessarily means that like I literally was chilling in like the 1720s or like with Jesus, but more just that human nature doesn't change and that that fundamental experience, that those emotions are the same. And so it is like we have lived all those years. I like to fall asleep sometimes listening to this YouTube of Schopenhauer. Uh, I, I find his, he has like a, a soft cynicism. It's a soft, smooth cynicism that I listen to. Some some dude doing Schopenhauer, re- like a, um, reading Schopenhauer stuff. And a lot of times these philosophy bras, they don't have the most soothing voices. But there's like this combination on YouTube of this dude plus Schopenhauer. It's like I'm, I'm out in two minutes. Uh, but so, but so regarding having a need, that's still really hard for me because I feel like if I, I don't want to be the pain in the ass, not even because I care so much about torturing someone else, although I guess that's part of it. Having worked, I worked as a book publicist for 10 years. So I, you know, I know that when you are in that sort of profession, you're only capable of so much. And sometimes people's expectations are really grandiose. I mean, often they are. You know, it's basically like, get me on the Today Show, get me on Oprah. So, and especially with all my publicists that I work with for my books, I try to like bring that in. And when I'm just like, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say it. And I think I do a good job with that. But with with managers and agents, it's like I'm trying to bring that sort of this sort of feeling of like, basically, I treat Hollywood itself like it's a douche bro. It's like. Because I know that it is a system that is much larger than me, that it doesn't really have – it has something to do with talent, but it also – there's a lot of factors at play that have nothing to do with me. And so it's sort of a self-protection. And I think that's a good instinct, right? I think it's a good instinct to be like, I got to protect myself from this. But when I'm not admitting to myself – that I have these desires. That's when it's really a question of, of fooling myself. Like you have to admit to yourself that you want things, I think. I have to admit to myself that I want things or I'm just lying to myself. You know, because I try to downplay all of it in my mind. It's like, no, nah, it's all, you know, nah. But that's not, you know, I guess it's like there is a, a Buddhist sensibility to an extent in learning to like temper my desires, you know, attachment and desire, the root of all suffering. But I think first I have to admit it to myself, you know, even if then I'm like, all right, don't drive the managers and agents nuts. Don't ask like a million questions. Um, and also to say like, all right, it's okay to have needs sometimes. And it's okay to maybe drive somebody nuts once in a while. Like maybe that's part of the job, you know, maybe like being, and maybe what you think might be driving someone nuts is actually just like, an honest question. And I don't know why I'm so f- why I'm so fearful of that. And I think it's it's it, it is less a question of actually driving someone nuts and more a question of the fear of taking up too much space and that if I have a need and I express the need and then the need is not met that I'm going to feel like a loser. It always comes back to this word loser. And I try to deconstruct for myself like what does it mean when I say loser? Because um, it's not really about winning and losing, but I think it's about having expressed that I want something and then others knowing that I have not gotten it. Like better to not want at all. Better to not be vulnerable. 
because it's really it's easy for me to be vulnerable like here like it's easy for me to be vulnerable with strangers on the internet or when talking to myself because I'm, I'm really choosing you know it's not complete vulnerability because I'm choosing I may I may say things that people are like god how you know how does she say that or like a lot of times people say about my writing like it's so honest and it is about some things it is about a lot of things but there are pockets where I'm like I don't want anyone to know that I want this I don't want that vulnerability of, of wanting and then rejection. I don't want to be seen being rejected. If I'm rejected, I want it to be something I really didn't want in the first place. So while I think it's good, you know, with, with the Hollywood stuff to treat it like a douche bro and be like, I'm not going to call it. I'm not going to text it. If it wants to go on a date, I'll walk through the door. I think ultimately it, we, we, I do have to be more truthful with myself. Like, all right, you do want this. Now here's how you're going to sort of act and not tell me and not to say to myself like no you don't want this you don't want this and then when something doesn't happen be like so surprised like so so surprised that I feel sad and what's all this sadness about what's all this I think that that's a more honest approach so I'm glad we've worked that out uh, I'm glad we've worked that out and uh, that is pretty much it. If anyone has any um, any answer to the why of sine cosine tangent, why why we would do this, let me know, and I will see you on the flip side.